Hey guys, no Adam, no Riley this week. Instead, we are joined by Nick Lee of EmeraldCitySwagger.com. Writes about the Mariners over there on our sister site. Uh, this week on the Soto Mojo podcast, we talk about the WBC spring training, and we get into a detailed breakdown of the Mariners infield. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That's right, guys. No Adam today or no Riley today, but welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, this is your interim host, Colby Patnode, and joining me this week is Nick Lee. Uh, Nick, say hello to the people. Hello. It's great to be here. It's an honor. It's always fun to find an excuse to talk more baseball. Ain't that the truth. Um, <laughs> so we'll start off this week like we start off every week with our stat of the week. Uh, I'm going to call a little audible on Adam here, and I'm going to mention that uh, I believe it was Wednesday night. Uh, the Dominican Republic played the United States in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Felix Hernandez versus Drew Smiley. Uh, I hope Mariners fans got a shot, got a chance to watch that. Um, if you didn't, you can find it on YouTube. So take a look. But uh, in the fourth inning of that game, Felix Hernandez uh, hit 93.6 miles per hour with his fastball. That was the highest recorded pitch uh, velocity-wise for Felix Hernandez. Since since early in the 2015 season, um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Nick, do you think uh, there's anything to read into that, or do you just think that's adrenaline and uh, just one pitch? Oh, I, I think that's a huge thing. You know, last year it was one of the talks of the talk business from a field and him hit nearly 94 in March. They huge. Maybe we can attain some of that to the adrenaline of pitching for his country, but I think. Um, at least for him, not every pitcher, but for him, velocity, that velocity is a big Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. So uh, that just segues pretty nicely here into the uh, into the actual World Baseball Classic. So uh, how much have you been watching? What have you noticed? Um, what's your interest level? I, I love it. I, mm -hmm. uh, I've watched every USA game. I have actually watched um, a good majority of the Latin American countries on ESPN Deportes. Um, I just I like listening to Span to baseball in Spanish. I'm fluent in it, so it's fun to wa uh, watch and listen to. Uh, awesome. So yeah, I've been watching a lot of Latin American countries, and it's been a blast. I, I don't remember it being as fun as it has been this year. I don't know if it's just because of the games or what, but this year has been a blast. Yeah, you know, I was I was a little skeptical coming into this year. Um, I remember the last World Baseball Classic. It was kind of I don't want to say boring, but it just didn't really live up to the hype. And uh, you know, this year I've become a believer. I love what I've seen. I've watched a few of the games for a second time on YouTube and things like that. And I got to say, you know, this WBC, if the WBC is like this every four years. I'm going to become a, uh, a major investor of time in it. It's just really awesome to, uh, to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just fun to, and it's, it's fun that the USA is doing good, honestly, because sometimes mm -hmm. they've disappointed They've only been to the semifinals once in this. I, think, I believe this is the fourth installment, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And this is a pretty cool thing. I mean, the if you watched the game last night, that was an electric atmosphere. Yeah, forty some odd thousand people jammed into a ballpark in March. It's uh, hard not to like that. Oh yeah. So uh, just going back to the Mariners, since that's what we're here to talk about. What have you uh, What have you seen from the Mariners players in particular in the WBC? Is there anything you like or anything that concerns you? Well, I've 
liked how well represented the Mariners are. And it was kind of, there's two narratives going into this. One was, oh, let's make sure no one gets hurt. We're kind of worried about Felix perhaps getting hurt or no Cruz. And the other one was, let's see, let's let's get our Mariners on a national level, or national media level and, and see how they perform. Um, I've been really impressed. I just love watching Ron's Cup play. It doesn't matter what what uh, team he's playing for. I'm happy he's in a Mariners uniform. I love the captain C on his uniform for Dominican Republic. I think that's a huge deal. And it's getting these guys live reps, getting ready for a playoff push, and they're getting an, a playoff environment in March, getting ready for uh, a season which many think could end the drought. So that's a huge deal. Right. Uh, specifically to Felix Hernandez, uh, you've watched all of his starts, I'm assuming. Um, is there anything that you've seen or noticed uh, particularly about him? Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch his first start as much. I watched his start against the USA. And, you know, five innings, no runs, zero walks, I think, was the huge mm-hmm. one. Because sometimes last year, um, you know, Felix, we, we all know how he is. He, he he's, he's the alpha dog. and and But we also have noticed that when things start to go south, they spiral sometimes. And with him, it's been walks. And seeing zero walks up there is huge. Um, and three strikeouts and just three hits and five innings. He did scare the heck out of me after that first inning play where he fielded a pitch. I think he should just never field a ball, <laughs> ever. Right. Um, and when the trainer came out and looked at him, that, that gave me a good scare. My my blood pressure rose a little to an healthy level. But after that, he was lights out. It was it was pretty amazing to watch. So very encouraging results from Felix from the WBC. I'm I'm kind of deep down happy that it's over for him just so he can get back into camp and get this momentum towards the Mariners. But a very encouraging results from Felix. Yeah, I'm not at all disappointed that he's out. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of him going in the first place. Uh, we talked about that for, and I think in our second podcast, uh, I was a little worried, but uh, you know, the, one of the things that jumps out at me, uh, aside from the fastball command, which looks like it's gotten better in every start, his curveball is just filthy right now. Um, it's really good to see, and he's, it's the combination of the curveball and the fact that he can spot his fastball in all four quadrants of the strike zone. Something that Jerry Depoto has mentioned numerous times that he wants to see Felix do. So that's really exciting to see. And uh, we'll just real quick here. What did you think of Drew Smiley? Oh, he was. It, it was amazing to watch them two go at it. In fact, mm-hmm. Mel Stoudemire should be sitting back as the pitching coach, as a proud papa, with these with forty percent of the Mariners' rotation on display that night. Drew Smiley was just as good, if not better, than Felix. Eight strikeouts is not very Drew Smiley like. Drew Smiley's not much of a strikeout guy. I mean, he, he's he's up there, but not not to the extent of maybe Felix was in his heyday, but. Four and two-thirds, no earned runs, no walks. So both guys had zero walks and zero earned runs. That's That was impressive. And I'm encouraged because Smiley came in as maybe an unknown, hasn't turned in uh, very many complete seasons, and it, he's making DePoto look like a genius, at least with that start. And the question now is can he sustain that and bring it into the late spring, early summer, and onto a playoff push? Yeah, uh, Smiley is going to be really important to the Mariners' playoff push, so that was nice to see. Um, final thing here on the WBC as it relates to the Mariners. Um, you concerned at all about Edwin Diaz? I, I know he had the save, but it was kind of rocky. It uh, just doesn't look like he quite has the fastball command that he did early last season. Are you concerned at all, or do you just think this is something that he'll figure out? I'm not as concerned as maybe some. Um, you know, it's it's early, It's early. in reality spring training still, and for a kid who went from double A to major leagues, I know that's kind of an exhausting narrative that we've talked about over and over again, I'm sure. 
but that's no small deal. I think him jumping that high, it's a it's a big learning curve. And sure, he had some great success last year, but this is this will be his first full season as a major leaguer. And with people getting film on him and maybe some nerves of pitching for his country, I'm I'm not super concerned. He's got the stuff. He's got the electricity. Um, and he's shown that when he does get a little rocky, he, he does have the mental fortitude to battle back and not back down, which is really encouraging in a closer because sometimes you see guys like that fold and one earned run to tie the game turns into six and they lose the game. But him, it's he, he doesn't back down. So I'm, I'm not concerned about it. Just just from seeing his attitude and how he's worked and, and gotten better as a major leaguer, I'm not super concerned. Yeah, they uh, they really it seems like they have built some pretty good depth in that bullpen as well. So if he does falter, it's nice to have a guy like Steve Ciszek, uh, who has closing experience and was actually pretty good last year despite the blown saves. But uh, that'll wrap up the WBC talk. Uh, we're just going to touch briefly here on spring training. Have you been uh, watching the games? They've been on FS or uh, they've been on uh, Root Sports for the last week or so. Have you caught any of those games? I've been able to actually watch one. I watched the last Sunday against the Athletics mm-hmm. um, on, on TV, and encouraging so far. Yeah, it's hard to uh, not like the way they're swinging the bats. Uh, I'd like to see the pitchers pitch a little better, but it's spring training in Arizona, so nothing that I'm really that concerned about. Um, has there been one player or maybe a couple that you've read about during spring training that has you really excited or you think you're going to like them more than you maybe thought you would have i love mitch hanniger he's 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 raked i mean it's Mm -hmm. there's nothing there's no two ways about it he is he has come with and has played as advertised if not better i think the mariners will be very happy with that trade with the diamondbacks no offense to taiwan walker ketel Marte, but hanniger is the you know he was kind of the understudy of that deal with gene segura but i think in the long run he might be the 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 chip that they are happy that they got from Arizona. Yeah, it's a pretty popular opinion. Uh, last week, I kind of, uh, I don't want to say I poo-pooed Mitch Haniger, but I am a little worried that maybe we're putting unrealistic expectations on him. Um, we had a nice discussion about that last week on the podcast. Uh, what do you, What do you think should be realistic expectations for Mitch Haniger this year? Well, obviously, coming coming up in big leagues, it's, there's going to be a learning curve, and he's not going to hit 350 with 40 home runs. It's just not not going to happen, and he's not going to hit – what is he hitting now, 400 with three or four? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And, and, and to be honest, this year, you know, if he can – honestly, what have we gotten from Nori Aoki last year? If he can at least surpass those numbers, which aren't hard to do, um, he'll be fine. I, I, I would love to see – 250s plus with maybe 20 home runs, 15, 20 home runs, something along those lines. He'll get his share of strikeouts. He is a rookie. Sorry, my lamp just fell. <laughs> he'll get a share of strikeouts and he'll get his. He'll he'll make a share of rookie mistakes, but he will. He'll be just fine, I think. But this year, yeah, let's let's dial down the expectations a little bit. But 250 with 20 home runs, pretty reasonable. Yeah, and the expectation is is that he'll play really good defense and. Uh... He's also a good base runner, maybe not the fastest guy in the world, but he can steal bases for you and he runs the base as well. Something that Seth Smith and Nori Aoki really didn't do last year. So uh, it seems like an upgrade. I'm right there with you. So uh, we're just going to transition here to, uh, we're going to talk about some of the things coming up on both of our websites. 
Um, I should have mentioned that, uh, should have mentioned this at the beginning, but Nick actually writes for our uh, sister site, uh, emeraldcityswagger.com. Uh, he writes mostly about the Mariners over there. Uh, I also write for Emerald City Swagger. I started writing about the Seahawks over there. But, uh, Nick, you're working on a uh, Top 50 Mariners of All Time series. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about it, and then uh, maybe after we'll get into a few uh, few specifics. Yeah, sure. Um, just wanted to help pass the time towards opening day, which we're only about two weeks away now, which is fantastic. But when I started this countdown, I wanted something maybe for the fans to look forward to as the novelty of spring training starting kind of wears off, and we're kind of like, all right, let's get this over with and start the season. Um, I just wanted something for the fans to look forward to. So I love countdowns. I love just breaking down all-time great. I, I just love that stuff. So um, I started doing research into the top 50 Mariners of all time. I, uh, I'm i going to be honest. I I can't claim to be a lifetime Mariners fan. I grew up in San Diego. I only moved here two years ago. Um, so I grew up a Padres fan. So my Mariners knowledge, I've gotten a crash course pretty much over the last two years. And I've been to dozens of Mariners games since and done a lot of research and articles and stuff. So I like to think I know my stuff. And um, what I actually did was for the top 50, I basically took war wins above replacement mm-hmm. and just did a, a, a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet pretty much formula to find the top 50 war of all time for the Mariners. And I kind of tweaked it a little bit here and there. I didn't go straight from that list based on you know playoff performances and they, if they were a part of the playoff runs for the Mariners or big moments like hitting for the cycle or no hitter or something like that. So I kind of tweaked it here and there, but I mainly went off the list of top 50 wins above replacement. Right. I, I think that's fair. Um, you know, sometimes up here in the Pacific Northwest, we get a little attached to our stars and uh, we don't want to see that they did anything wrong or maybe they weren't as good as we thought. So I think it's always good to have an outside perspective. Um, in terms of your list, was there maybe one or two Mariners that you were surprised maybe at how high they ranked or you were a little bit, you know, you just weren't sure about them, and then you looked at them a little closer, and you realized, hey, this guy was pretty good. Well, yeah, I got one that's current, and and one that actually is uh, is former Mariner. I was actually surprised how high Kyle Seeger was. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Kyle Seeger was uh, was a huge uh, sorry <laughs> was a huge part of the these past few seasons, and he has really. Uh, surprised me and how high he, he climbed and I didn't realize he's up there for all-time Mariners home runs and I think he given him give him five six more good seasons in Mariners, which he's about listed to have on this contract he could get up there in all-time home runs I think he could end up being one of the top five Mariners ever if, if he continues on this trend um, and then just going down the list um, one that I actually left off that people might have might have had a problem with what is the deal with the infatuation with Willie Bloomquist is it just because he's a local guy? Is that why? <laughs> uh, you know, we're actually going to talk a little bit about Willie in uh, something that Soto Mojo has been doing. But, uh, yeah, I th- a lot of it is he's a local guy. He's a, he's a scrapper. Um, you know, he's right across the lake there from Seattle. So, I mean, I, he's definitely not one of the 50 best Mariners of all times, but he is definitely one of the 50 biggest fan favorites. Um, I, I don't know. Like I like him too, but... I'm not delusional enough to think that he was some great player, but uh, yeah, Seattle certainly has a love affair with uh, Willie Bloomquist. I get it, local guy. Mm-hmm. I gotta love the local guys, and I did look up at his numbers. It's it's cool that he was a Mariner for such a long time, and that that's pretty mm-hmm. these days. So I, I get it. And 
another thing is just looking at the top 50. Some of these names, now I, I've been around baseball my whole life. Some of these names, I'm like, huh? I'm scratching my head at some of these, but um, it's interesting. Omar Vizquel was uh, cracked, and, and, and people forget that Omar Vizquel was a darn good Mariner before he became, obviously, a, a maybe borderline, perhaps, a Hall of Famer for the Indians, but he's up there on the Mariners list, too. All right, yeah, uh, I would agree. That's People tend to forget that, and it's not hard to see why he, uh, if he does go in the Hall of Fame, and I'm not sure he belongs there, but he's definitely in the debate. If he does get into the Hall of Fame, it'll be as a Cleveland Indian. Uh, there's really no denying that. But uh, just two more quick things here before we move on. Um, just want to, uh, not to give too much away, but you have Alex Rodriguez. I think some Mariners fans would say quite high. I have been on the other side of this issue. I think Alex Rodriguez, you could argue, is maybe the second best Mariner of all time. Uh, he's just an incredible player. I know fans here don't really like him. Um, you know, I've wrote about this a few times, but uh, what uh, what went into your decision to put A. Rod as high as he was? Was it just stats, or did you consider uh, any kind of the uh, off the field issues or anything like that? This, he was probably the hardest one because I, I totally mm-hmm. agree. I think there could be an argument for, that he is a top five Mariner. Um, and given, because I also did, a, I gave a little bit of credit towards post Mariner career if, if maybe they became an eventual Hall of Famer or something like that. Um, and he, yeah, it, it, it was really hard for me because I, I knew him more as a, a Ranger and a Yankee than I did as a Mariner. And right. him, and looking at his stats, they are eye pop his stats as a Mariner. I mean, I, did, I didn't realize how... I knew he was a great Mariner, but I had no idea the numbers he put up as a Mariner. It, it, it was incredible. His batting title, I think he hit 358 one year. I mean, just mm-hmm. crazy numbers. And he only got better from there, which is... Well, we kind of know why, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it did... The controversy did um, make me keep him out of the top five because I believe... I think the... Most Mariner fans kind of have the, like the holy trinity of, <laughs> you know, Griffey, uh, Edgar, Ichiro, maybe Felix and Randy in there. But mm-hmm. you know, they I, I don't want to mess with that. But I, I could be convinced of Arod being a top five Mariner easily. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that you were uh, from San Diego. You haven't really been up here that long, so I'll just throw out the question that uh, will either make Mariner fans love you or hate you. <laughs> Is Edgar Martinez a Hall of Famer in your book? Absolutely. Uh, good answer hall of famer yes uh, hall of fame deserves to have people like edgar martinez people who there's an award named after him the designated hitter of the award of the year in the american league is the edgar martinez winner i mean that should be that should just be enough like david ortiz big poppy should aspire to be like edgar martinez and everyone's thinking david ortiz is a shoe-in um i think edgar should get in obviously first and he will I think he will eventually get in, but yeah, he absolutely deserves to. His numbers, he's a definition of consistency, of loyalty. I think any player who plays 15-plus years with one team and puts up numbers similar to that should be in the Hall of Fame, just for the fact. Because in San Diego, we have Tony Gwynn, obviously. And Edgar Martinez is the Tony Gwynn of Seattle. I think that's uh, that's a good comparison there. So, uh, yeah, you guys want to check out the top 50 Mariners of all time list. It's on emeraldcityswagger.com. You can search that with Nick Lee, and it'll pop right up. Um, So we are just going to – it's a really well-done piece. I think you guys should take a look at it. I enjoyed it. Um, And 
Now we will talk a little bit about what's going on on our website, sotomojo.com. As some of you guys may be aware, uh, we we announced our uh, our favorite Mariner bracket. Um, it's a little bit different than best. Um, we're just kind of searching for who Mariners fans consider to be their fan favorite. We've had Twitter polls up all week long. Uh, we're just asking you guys to come on and vote. Um, Nick, have you had a chance to look at this at all, or uh, you've been kind of busy with your top 50 Mariner list? Oh, I've looked at it. I've actually, I've actually voted. <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it's fun. Like I said, I love these kind of things, so I, I've participated. Yeah. Um, was there maybe just a real? Was there maybe one player you thought was overseeded or underseeded? Um, you know, with the understanding that seeds weren't exactly as important as uh, just making sure the top sixty-four Mariners were up there. Right. Um, no, no one jumped out at me. I, I thought it was funny that Dejo Lee made the list, but, um, you know, me, my last name being Lee and I, you know, being a part of Mariners baseball last year, I don't blame anybody for putting him up there. He was a cult classic. He was a cult favorite for, you know, three, four months there. And I was right on the, I was right there. I bought a Lee shirt cause he's got my last name. I had chanted with everybody. I, I loved him. And so I, I totally get it. I just think it's funny how he played barely one season with us and he gets, he gets on the list, but that just shows you how much people loved him. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm not surprised, uh, oh, how should I word? I wasn't a big Dejo Lee fan in spring training. I didn't think he deserved to be on the team. Um, I wasn't, I'm still not a fan of carrying two first basemen, which we'll talk about here briefly, but, uh, you know, he certainly provided some moments last year and he, like you said, he's kind of a cult classic type of hero here in Seattle. So that's just fine by me. Um, we're in the sweet 16 right now. Um, you know, there's really, as I check the Twitter polls here, there's really not a ton of close matchups in this round, uh, vote wise. Although one that is getting creeping a little bit closer is, uh, a number two seed Lou Pinella, former ma- manager of the Mariners and the number three seed Kyle Seeger. Um, we're at 55% for Lou Pinella, 45, uh, for Seeger. So that one's closing. Uh, last time I checked that was in the 60, 30 range. So uh, you have any thoughts on that, Lou Pinella versus Kyle Seeger? Well, I get why Lou Pinella is so so popular. That's uh, that's a no-brainer. I I I don't know enough about Mariners history to know that he was a huge part of you know, the playoff runs and being part of uh, the, some of the greatest, if not the greatest, obviously the greatest Mariners season of all time. Um, and I think the newness of Kyle Seeger still, um, you know, he's still a fan favorite. So I'm not surprised it's close. I, I looked at it. Uh, not too long ago, I think it was 55-45 in, in favor of mm-hmm. Pinella. And it doesn't surprise me um, that Pinella is slightly leading it. But, you know, Seager's, Seager's got his Seager believers, so he's he's hanging around. <laughs> yeah, it feels like if we did this uh, bracket in about three or four years, Seager would probably be a two-seed and he have a good shot at winning the thing. He's just, uh, you know, he's kind of this generation's Edgar Martinez where he just d- does things so quietly that uh, he often gets overlooked by bigger names on his team. Um, so we'll just, as we wrap up this little segment here, do you have a prediction on who the final four will be? <laughs> well, um, can, should never bet against Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an obvious one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ken Griffey's on there, and I think, um, yeah, like you said, the, new, the newer generation, I, I'd say Seeger or uh, Felix Hernandez, I think, um, has a real good shot mm-hmm. making the final four. Yeah. Um, if I'm, if I'm actually naming the brackets right, I'm not quite sure if I have the actual 
let me make sure I have the uh, setup of the bracket right so I don't say two people that wouldn't be in the Final Four together. Um, yeah, okay, here we go. Yeah, Felix and Griffey probably up there. Um, and everyone loves Ichiro, I think, with how... Now, that one's tough because he's in the same bracket as uh, as Edgar. But uh, that, that, that's going to be an interesting Elite Eight. <laughs> um, Edgar Martinez should uh, should probably get the side edge, but um, obviously Ichiro is a huge fan favorite given the Japanese population mm-hmm. here in Seattle. So I guess my prediction is Griffey, Edgar, Felix, and then on the other, this is the interesting bracket with Dave Niehaus at number one um, and Lupinella too and, and, and uh, we got Seager three. That, that's an interesting bracket. I think uh, Pinella has a shot of being in the upset and maybe getting the final four, maybe perhaps a player, but Seager needs to get past Pinella first. But if Seager somehow gets past Pinella, watch out. Awesome. Sounds good. So uh, with that, we are going to uh, go ahead and transition here a little bit. Uh, Last week, we covered the Mariners outfield. We talked about uh, the depth and what we kind of projected for each player. So this week, uh, just the two of us, we'll quickly touch on the infield. Um, We'll just, I guess we'll just start and go around the horn. Uh, Let's start actually with the, uh, with the backstops, the catchers. So what do you think of the, uh, the current Mariners catching situation? I like it. Um, you know, Zunino is obviously having a good spring. Where have we heard that before? Um, right. He's he's one of those first team all spring training guys, and somehow doesn't quite translate usually to the regular season. But hey, this year could be different. He's had a different experience these past few years. Um, so uh, Zunino is obviously the number one catcher going in. I love the the move to bring Carlos Ruiz Chuch in. I, I love that move because obviously he's a little too old to be catching 140 games, but uh, He's he's won a World Series. He's been to another. He knows how to get there. He's played on winning teams. He's played on teams that, if not have won the World Series, have gotten close. And so he knows what it takes to be a backstop on a championship team. So putting him behind Zunina was huge. I love it. Even if he barely hits his batting average, I think that's a great addition just mentally and chemistry-wise. So I, I think the catcher situation right now, if Zunino can cut down the strikeouts, get the walks up like he started to last year. I think catcher is one of the most solid positions. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people down a little bit on Zanino. Um, but I think a lot of those people are looking at batting average and the fact that he hits 210. Uh, it was for a short period last year, but his OPS uh, stretched out over an entire season was number five, I think, in the American League amongst catchers. So... Uh, you know, this is kind of a make-or-break year for Zanino. Uh, quickly on the catchers before we move on, we uh, we had a listener question last week, and uh, somebody had asked us, what would the Mariners do if Mike Zanino essentially is a is just bust this year? And uh, what what's their backup look like? And are there any players that are out there that you could see them maybe bringing in in a trade or anything like that? That's a good question. Um, you know, obviously we won't know for sure about Zanino maybe until a few months into this into this season. Um, if he's a complete bust where he's back to hitting a buck 90 with 100-plus strikeouts, I, I uh, you know, Carlos Ruiz could be a, a stopgap for a little bit. Obviously, we'd, we'd prefer not to have him as the everyday catcher. Um, you know, just thinking back in my, in my database here as a Padres fan as well, Derek Norris recently mm-hmm. got traded to the Nationals, who now have Matt Wieters. Um, so I, I believe that they were trying to move Norris. So that could be an option if, if that comes to it. Norris has got a good bat, a good reputation with the pitching staff, veteran guy, all-star. Um, that will come cheaply if, if need be. So 
Um, that, hopefully that doesn't happen, of course, God forbid, but um, I think they like their their catching situation. But if not, I think Norris probably would, would uh, be on the radar. Yeah, that's a good pull. Uh, let's just uh, slide on down to uh, third base then. Uh, you know, you feel pretty good about the floor of uh, Mariner third baseman Kyle Seeger, but uh, do you think that he could possibly take another step? It seems like every year we kind of sit around and say, well, we've seen the best Kyle Seeger can possibly be, and every year he kind of takes another step forward. Do you think that that could happen again this season? And if you do, what would that look like? Yeah, he. Uh, I actually mentioned this in my article because he made my 10 through 6 list at number 8. Um, he, we really don't know if we've seen the best of Kyle Seager yet. He had a 30 home run, 99 RBI season. Strikeouts went down, average went up again. He's consistently gotten better every single year. I don't see a reason why not to expect something similar until he starts plateauing or trending downward. I think this year, another maybe hover around 30 home runs and hovering around 275. You know, he's that that would be if he can repeat last year. That's a sign of improvement in my book because repeating something like 30 home runs, 99 RBI, that's a big deal. And especially with, with a lineup that the Mariners have that ha- that drives in so many runs that with the guys ahead of him like Cano and Cruz, if he can get almost triple-digit RBI out of that, that's that's pretty impressive. So I think similar numbers to last year, and he's sitting real pretty. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to disagree. You just feel so good about Seager. Uh, you know, he's going to be there every day. He's going to play solid defense. Um, and, yeah, you know, like you said, you just you can pretty much pencil him in. He has a really high floor. So uh, Mariners fans should feel really good about third base. Uh, we'll slide over to shortstop, the uh, the biggest acquisition of the offseason, at least in name. Uh, Gene Segura, who led the National League in hits last year, he's coming over to play shortstop. Uh, what, do you, what do you think are realistic expectations for him? Well, I've been saying this since we got him. I think expecting 20 home runs and National League le- or league leading in hits again is probably unrealistic. Um, and we've seen how big name free agents perform when they come to Seattle. Sometimes Nelson Cruz being the exception. You know, we've seen guys like Adrian Beltre, Sean Figgins. I know I'm bringing up some hard names here for some Mariner fans. Uh, you know, Richie Sex and those guys who came in as free agents who maybe didn't quite live up to the to the ma- uh, major expectations. Robinson Cano, another one that uh, is the exception as well. Um, but I think something along the lines of 12 to 15 home runs, um, 280 average would be fantastic. I mean, looking at the numbers from Cattell Marte last year, those numbers would greatly improve um, offensively at least. And where defensively he's been impressive, although he did play mostly second base last year. Um, he is a shortstop. He has played shortstop. And I think having him in that lineup, replacing Marte that is a huge upgrade yeah you know I think uh by uh, Fangraph's war metrics last year Cattell Marte was a negative half win player um you know and uh, Segura was a five win player I I think that's too much to expect of anybody um but if he can just be a two and a half win player which he was his rookie year that's a three win improvement at least on paper and uh defensively you know I'm, I'm interested this is something I've kind of been thinking about it sounds like the concern with Segura defensively is that his range isn't quite what Marte is, but he's more likely to make you know the routine play. Um, do you think that having Kyle Seager to his right and Robinson Cano on his left, plus the shifting that the Mariners do a lot of, do you think that uh, can really negate the uh, the negative defensive impacts of uh, 
Gene Segura's range. Oh yeah, and and um, not just with the glove, but with the veteran presence of the two sandwiching him. That's huge, and and that's that's uh, that's that cannot be overstated. I think you know when when he was with the Diamondbacks, he was kind of one of the leaders. Here, he kind of just can fit a mold and and do his thing and not have to worry about you know pulling guys along with him. He's got two infielders to his left and right who have been there, done that, been all stars. So he can just do his thing. He doesn't have too much to worry about. So I think, yeah, with, with Cano and 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 Seager, I'm not quite sure how many gold gloves they have combined, but he, he's he'll be all right. I think uh, the Mariners, yeah, with the shifts, will more than compensate for any lacking that he has with the glove, which is not much. Yeah, I would uh, tend to agree. So now we'll uh, we'll slide on over to uh, the man who will hopefully be turning many double plays with Gene Segura this year. Uh, what else do you have to say about Robinson Cano besides, man, he's awesome. <laughs> he is awesome. That's for sure. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to expect the same kind of numbers he did last year. I mean, last year was fantastic. He had his best year, Mariner or Yankee last year. And, um, to something similar, I mean, I'm realistic. I, I'm, I'm okay with 30 plus home runs still, maybe not pushing 40, but 30 plus. Um, and yeah, right around hundred RBI, right around, 280, 290 average, like he was his first couple years as a Mar- or first year as a Mariner. I uh, and with his glove, he's awesome. He's he's the real deal. He's what we paid for, and the Mariners are getting pretty much every dollar of what they paid for with him. It's a lot of dollars, but it's uh, it's paid dividends so far. And if it ends in a playoff push, playoff appearance for the Mariners, it'll be a lot because uh, Robinson Cano is there in the lineup every day. Yeah, um, you know, there's really not uh, there's really not much to add. You just Expect Robbie to be Robbie, and uh, you're thankful that he's on your team. So uh, probably the biggest question in the infield um, is the first base. What's going to happen there? The Mariners brought in Danny Valencia around uh, what was it, about a week before Thanksgiving, um, and of course last season in July they acquired uh, Daniel Bogle back for uh, uh, Mike Montgomery. Mm-hmm. So uh, those two have kind of been getting a lot of playing time with. Uh, you know, Cano and uh, Cano and Segura at the WBC and Cruz. Uh, so, what uh, what are you just expecting from that whole thing? Uh, let's just start with let's just start with Danny Valencia. There's a lot of layers to this. But just start with what you think of Danny Valencia as a player. Well, he has the body of work. He has he has the track record, obviously, um, of being a solid player. To be honest, I've been a little disappointed this year with him um, so far. I mean, spring training, I, I try not to read too much into spring training wins and losses, but I do read into some statistics and some splits, on, especially on veteran players who are trying to get a starting job. And Valencia is one of those players that is trying to earn a starting job, and so his stats do matter in spring training. And he's been pretty underwhelming. Uh, he's hitting just, a, I believe, a buck 95. And and I actually was looking up him against left-handed hitters. And right now he's actually got against lefties than Volkelback does, obviously with more at-bats, but worse numbers. So um, I'm a little disappointed, honestly, but that's a track record, so I'd kind of hang my hat on that for a little bit. Um, I I expect him, obviously, to make the team and, and contribute, but right now I'd like to see a little bit more. And uh, your thoughts on Daniel Vogelback? I think he's made a lot of strides in, in, uh, in perhaps becoming the everyday first baseman. I'm with you. I don't like platoon players. I, I've always been, you got eight guys in your lineup, you pencil them in every day. That's the consistency. That's what. That's how teams win. And with that, that's Vogelback. I think Vogelback is the first baseman of the future. And if he can get over the hump of hitting against left-handed pitchers, 
he will be the everyday everyday first baseman. I don't see a reason why not. In fact, I was looking at numbers. His only home run this spring is against a left-handed pitcher, and he does have num- uh, better numbers right now, like I mentioned, against lefties than and even Valencia does. And he's got a better fielding percentage in the spring. So he seems like he's made a lot of a lot of strides, and I can just tell he's worked hard over the winter to become perhaps the everyday first baseman for the Mariners. Yeah, he uh, he certainly looks more athletic than what he was last year. Um, you know, I've watched a few of his, quite a few of his plate appearances in the spring. He really, it looks like he just knows how to hit. He looks hitterish up there. Uh, he works counts. He takes the ball the other way. Um, you know, he might not be your typical first baseman and the idea that he's going to hit 25, 30 home runs, but it just seems like this is a guy at Safeco Field who's just going to pepper the gaps with line drive after line drive. Uh, you know, collect a bunch of doubles, have a nice average, a really good on-base percentage, and work counts. Um, you know, the question is defense, uh, can he ever transition? I mean, it's tough to know after just a few uh, a few spring training games, but uh, is there anything that you've noticed defensively with Daniel Vogel back? Well, to be honest, I haven't actually gotten to watch a ton. Uh, I've watched right. that one televised game, and I've watched highlights here and there. And no red flags right now. Um, I know I, this is ticky-tack, but... Valencia has an error at first base. Vogelback does not this year. So <laughs> that's if you want to get that that petty about it. Uh, so far, Vogelback has outperformed Valencia. I don't know about uh, you know defensive runs saved or the range factor that I haven't looked into that yet. But right now, if I'm if I'm Scott Service and I see Vogelback, uh, the strides that he's made from last year to this year, I am impressed, and I think that this could be his position to lose. I I, I don't believe in a platoon. I think. Valencia would be a great like ninth quote unquote fielder, like a sixth man in basketball, where you pencil him in here and there and to be a veteran guy to, to get his bat in the lineup. But I honestly believe Vogelback should be the everyday guy and until he gives you a reason not to. Because he has worked hard and it and he should be rewarded. Right. The uh, I think the uh, I agree with you first of all, but I think the question is is that uh, we know that we know that Danny Valencia is going to make this ball club. Um, we also know that he is going to hit against left-handed pitching. Um, so I guess my question is, is if Daniel Vogel, if the Mariners think Daniel Vogelback, or I'm sorry, uh, Danny Valencia is going to be their everyday first baseman, does it make sense for the team to have Daniel Vogelback up and maybe get two, three games a week? Or would you rather see him sent down to Tacoma where he can get regular at-bats and continue to work on his defense? That's a really good question. Um I think at this point in his development, it probably would benefit him more to be in Tacoma. Um, if, if he was more of an Adam Lins, where he's been there, done that, he's been in the major leagues, no. But since he's young, he's kind of the Mariners' Kyle Schwarber, I kind of like to call him. Um, or they don't really know quite what to do with Schwarber. That's kind of the same thing here with Vogelback, if it doesn't quite work out this year for first base. Um, I, I believe, yes, it would be beneficial for both parties if he would if he went down to Tacoma, if it didn't work out. Um, but and yeah, and obviously Valencia will hit and, and it, it'll come. I'm not super concerned about the numbers yet, but, um, yeah, I, I think we'll go back on to Tacoma. If, it, if things aren't looking good early would be beneficial. Yeah, I would uh, tend to agree with that. But, uh, finally, we'll just, uh, go ahead and wrap this up with our, uh, with the utility player battle right now. It looks like a two man battle between, uh, Sean O'Malley and, uh, Taylor Motter. Uh, Mike Freeman is also in there, but 
not being on the 40-man roster, it certainly hinders his likelihood of making the team. So, uh, you know, they've gotten a lot of playing time recently. Uh, what do you think about Modder and O'Malley, and uh, who do you think it should be? Well, I love Modder's hair flip, first of all. i got to throw that in there. <laughs> that that uh, went mini-viral after that, that stolen base against the Cubs, his, his blonde locks flowing in the wind. That was pretty great. Um, I have been impressed by him, too, besides his uh, his hair status. Uh, I do believe it'll be Sean O'Malley, um, just for the fact that he has a track record uh, a little bit longer than Modder's. And he was here last year and came up in some big moments. I was there on Saturday night, Griffey night, when he hit that big home run to take the lead against the Angels. I was there. The place was rocking. And, and so he, he's he been a Mariner. And I think that definitely gives him a huge edge. And I don't think he's given them a reason to not trust him this spring. I guess I could be wrong, but I haven't seen it. Um, he's never going to be a 280-15 home run kind of hitter. But guy you can plug in at second, at short, at third, at and kind of just put him in everywhere. I, I I love players like that, and he fits the mold. And every team, every winner needs someone similar, a high-performing Sean O'Malley. So I think if he's his bat is where it kind of it was when he was good last year, he will be on the roster and contribute greatly. Yeah, you know, uh, I was also at the uh, the Los Angeles Angels game, and uh, that easily is one of my probably my top five baseball moments. Ken Griffey Jr. night and the utility guy from Richland, Washington is getting his name chanted by 45,000 at Safeco Field. I, that was that was so cool to see. Um, I'm, I'm there with you. I think Modder probably brings more pop with the bat. Um, they're both really good base runners. Uh, that's good to see. Uh, defensively, though, I think the slight edge has to go to O'Malley um, just because if you are going to carry two first basemen, O'Malley has played in the outfield before. And if you're going to carry two first basemen, it doesn't seem likely that you're also going to carry like Heredia or Gamble. So uh, having the outfield experience really helps. So I would uh, I would tend to agree with you on that. So just to wrap this up, um, overall feelings about the infield? Do you like what they've done? Do you see any uh, Do you see any holes that they might need to fill eventually? Honestly, this uh, if the first and honestly the platoon at first base could work out perfectly. Where one bats against right, one bats against left, and that that'd be great. And if that works out, this could be one of the better infields in the American League, if not the major leagues. I think it, you know you got Seager, Segura, and Cano who've all been all stars. Zanino has the bat to be an all star, uh, at least the pop. If his uh, average can go up with his pop and his defense, he could be an all star. So. This really could turn into one of the better infields in baseball if a couple things break their way, especially at first base. I have to agree with that. So now we're just going to wrap up our show with uh, the segment we like to call The People's Voice. And uh, unfortunately, the people did not send us very good questions this week. (laughs) So I'm going to throw a few audibles at you. Uh, These are questions that I have been asked. Uh, Actually... Uh, just quick story here. I coach uh, Little League 11, 12-year-olds, and I also coach school ball 13, 14-year-olds. And so, yeah, I get asked some weird questions sometimes, and uh, I like to write them down. I have this nice little book, and, uh, you know, I don't know of probably nothing's ever going to come of it, but I have a book here of weird questions, and so I'm just going to go through three or four, and uh, we'll see what happens. Sounds great. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. Fire away. All right. Question one. Is it pronounced GIF or JIF? I think it's GIF. You don't give someone a Christmas gift. You give them a Christmas gift. So it's, I think it's GIF. 
I uh, I actually agree with you on that one. <laughs> uh, question number two is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Ooh, I, I have to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I, it's a piece of meat. It's a piece of meat between bread. I, I get mean, it. That's, yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, it's its own category. Don't get me wrong. I love hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. It's own category. Okay. I, that's fair. Uh, big debate that happens over here at Soto Mojo. Uh, pineapple as a pizza topping. Yes or no? Yes, but not my first choice. I'm not a, one of those, it's pineapple or nothing. My wife is a huge pineapple and even cashew on pizza person. I don't quite get that. I was raised Ooh. by a Philly East Coast dad where if it didn't have meat on it, it wasn't right. So not my first choice, but I'm open to it. Yeah, I've uh, I've taken the apparently rather unpopular stance that pineapple ruins pizza. So uh, <laughs> I'm kind of on an island there, but uh, I would agree. I think that's a very uh, diplomatic answer of you. So uh, <laughs> so nicely done. Um, favorite baseball player? Current or all time? All time. Um, I gotta say Tony Gwynn. Mr. San Diego yeah. played all, all of his career there, did a lot for the community growing up. I imitated his stance. I wore his number in high school. Tony Gwynn by far. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that you earlier referred to uh, Edgar Martinez as Seattle's Tony Gwynn. And, uh, I also tried to emulate Edgar's batting stance and I wore his number all the way through high school. So, uh, <laughs> It's funny that you should mention that, but uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let me find a uh, an appropriate one, I should say. <laughs> um, let's see. What is your craziest theory regarding television or movies? Like a fan theory? Yeah, I oh, think man. that's what they're asking. That's a really good one. I, 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 I need to sit down uh, and, and, and think about this. I'm a huge Star Wars guy. I love Star Wars. All right, let's start with here then. Uh, who's Ray's father? Ooh. I am not opposed to the idea of Obi-Wan Kenobi, to be honest. Yeah. I, uh, I, I could see a scenario where she is his daughter. I mean, she had to get her Jedi senses from somewhere, so it doesn't just come out of nowhere. So. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's interesting. I think the easy answer is probably Luke. But, uh, you know, that just seems too easy. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to the eighth installment uh, coming out. Um, speaking of that, favorite movie of all time is? Ooh, that's another tough one. Again, I love Star Wars. I, mm -hmm. I'd have to say Star Wars. I, I can't think of something that would... Uh, I love, I'm a sports movie guy. I remember the Titans, Rudy, those kind of things. Um, Field of Dreams. But Star Wars is a little bit... A little bit more, cause just because I grew up with it as a kid. I, I'd, I don't know if I could pick a specific Star Wars movie. Maybe Return of the Jedi, I'd say. If I had to pick absolutely one Star Wars movie, it would probably be Return of the Jedi. That's a, uh, that's a solid choice. <laughs> um, I'm right there with you. I love the uh, the 70s like trilogies. I love The Godfather, and I'm a big fan of Star Wars. Uh, also a huge fan of the Rocky franchise, except for Rocky V. <laughs> um, but uh, other than that... Uh, Favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, cookie dough. I, I can't argue with chunks of cookie dough in an ice cream. Just goodness. That is the right answer. <laughs> and uh, last one here. Let's see. What do we have? All right. Let's go with this one. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Hmm. That's a good one. 
I would probably, I would either love to fly, or um, if you're into X Men, you ever seen Nightcrawler? Yeah. Teleport uh, anywhere? Yeah. That that'd be pretty awesome. So I, I guess it'd be a more efficient way of flying. So I guess we'll, let's do Nightcrawler X Men. Be able. To there teleport. you go. Very nice. Um, yeah, you know, I think I would. That's that is a tough one. Um, I think the answer I actually gave this eleven-year-old is I would want to be like Wolverine mm. and have that healing factor. But uh, you know, it's hard to super strength, super speed. It's all yep. good. There's not really a bad uh, superpower. So uh, just quick audible here. Uh, it sounds like you're a, a fan of the superhero franchises and stuff like that. Do you have a favorite superhero movie or a favorite superhero in general? Ooh. I've always been a fan of the, the superheroes that aren't super, if you follow, like uh, mm-hmm. Batman and Iron Man, guys who aren't really like special, special, like special powers, but are cool because they're smart and rich. Um, Bat- yeah. <laughs> Batman's probably my favorite. Just Yeah, because he, he's just a regular guy. He just happens to be rich and well-trained. So, And uh, I, I just like the feeling of, you know, he's not super far off from a normal human being. He's not like... Superman. I've I've never really understood Superman. He's too invincible, I guess. So I, I like the normal guys that just have cool stuff, like Iron Man and Batman. Yeah, you and I are gonna have to hang out because we're agreeing on a lot of these <laughs> answers. Uh, I love Batman. I love Iron Man. Uh, I think I probably like uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark more than I actually like the superhero Iron Man. Hmm. But uh, I also I'm also a big fan of Captain America. So. Uh, yeah, that's just where I'm at. So uh, that's going to wrap up our uh, Voice of the People. So uh, if any of my 10-year-old Little Leaguers are listening to this, there you go, guys. Keep on sending me questions, and uh, maybe you'll get on this podcast. So uh, as we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts? No. Oh, go Mariners. I hope they uh, make a playoff push. I'm, 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 I'm thinking they have a good shot at the AL West this year, and if everyone stays healthy, this should be a heck of a summer. Yep, I would uh, take that. So uh, with that said, uh, guys, make sure you check out Nick's article, The 50 Best Mariners of All Time at EmeraldSquare.com. I follow on Twitter, at NickLee51. Is that still accurate? That is correct, yes. So uh, make sure you check that out. Also, if you guys haven't yet, uh, please go on to uh, SotoMojo.com or head to Twitter, at SotoMojoSF on our Sweet 16 bracket. Um, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be the Elite 8 bracket. But go vote anyways. Um, you know, Make sure you check out all of our stuff on both sites. They both put out really good content. And uh, Nick, thanks for joining us. We'll have to do this again sometime. Will do. Absolutely. This was a blast. I'd I'd love to do it again. Awesome. So uh, from us, from me here at uh, Soto Mojo and Nick over at Emerald City Swagger, uh, you know, have fun this week, guys. Go Mariners and uh, go Team USA. Bye, guys. Bye.